Hello and welcome to ecotimes.tv magazine podcast. Today we've got uh, two special guests, Grace Silk and Oliver Duffy from Aquaponics USA. Um, they have another site, so we're going to tell you all about that. I'm your host, Alex Strong. Um, Grace and Oliver, are you there? Yes, Alex. I'm, this is Oliver. Hi, and this is Grace, and we're so happy to be here. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, sorry, guys, I forgot your second site. It's, it's for your larger commercial uh, aquaponics systems, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's uh, aquaponicsworld.net. Great stuff, great stuff. We get into uh, that at the end in terms of the different sites and what they do. So, guys, if you could just um, explain to me a bit about your background and how you have become aquaponic experts. Um, and just for the audience out there, if you're not sure what aquaponics is, it's um, kind of growing fish um, with systems um, within the kind of house or on a larger scale. Um, is that about? Is that a rough rough overview, do you think, guys? Well, or? no, okay. there's a lot more to it than that. But, uh, well, go aquaponics, for it, go for it. <laughs> aquaponics is the growing of um, vegetables uh, by using the uh, f- uh, water that's from a fish tank. And the fish do their thing in the water, and then the water runs through a bioconverter, which converts the fish waste into plant nutrients and, in real time. And then that's fed to the uh, grow beds, or there can be a combination bioconverter grow bed. And then the plants absorb those nutrients, and they grow uh, extremely well. They, they love this live life force energy that's in this because the the fish food is high quality the the fish affluence is a living organisms the bacteria that does the conversions a living organism and then the, the the output of that their waste is plant nutrients and that's that has a life force energy that causes the plants in an aquaponic system to outgrow anything else that uh, you've seen it can be done um, and they grow basically in water um and that's uh, that's basically, and then that, that water is cleaned by all that process and then returned to the fish tank. So it's a circulating aquaculture system that bro- grows both uh, fish and vegetables. That's amazing. So, so guys, how did you guys um, get into aquaponics? Um, the first question that you asked us was to say a little bit about our background. And yeah. so what I wanted to explain is uh, something kind of interesting. Neither one of us had ever uh, planted a garden in our lives when we discovered aquaponics. And uh, we discovered aquaponics in uh, late 2008 when the uh, big economic crash kind of rattled throughout the world. Mm. And... Um, I uh, realized that we needed to uh, become more, much more food independent. At that moment, I, it was like we both woke up. Uh, I, I discovered aquaponics first uh, based on uh, that awakening day when I just went on the Internet and I started looking at hydroponics. Now, most people know about hydroponics. Hydroponics has been around for a long, long time. Mm. So we are in the desert, and so I knew we ha- if we were going to grow food, we had to do it in a really creative way because – we have sand here. We don't have soil, so it wasn't going to work to just plant, you know, yeah. seeds in the sand. So I went on the internet and I found I was looking for hydroponics, and um, and what I found was aquaponics. And that night, uh, I told Oliver that he's got to see this because you're glo- you're growing fish, your protein, you're growing your protein and your vegetables in the same system. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is the only way to grow food. So uh, Oliver 
went on the internet and looked at the website that I had found uh, that was a, an Australian website because they, aquaponics was pretty advanced in Australia due to the drought that they were having for many years prior to 2008. Right. And, um, when Oliver found aquaponics, um, his uh, NASA engineer brain started <laughs> clicking, <laughs> and <laughs> he knew he could design a system. Now, at first, he thought he could just go, uh, you know, on the internet and find find a system that we could use, and we could build a greenhouse. We could put the system in, but he could never. He could not find a system that he felt was adequate for our purposes and so uh he decided hey i can just i can just design my own system we'll put it in our greenhouse and we went forward with that plan we built the greenhouse uh he designed the system as as we're putting it in the greenhouse we both look at each other and go well wait a minute this could be a business yeah. And so Aquaponics USA was born. That first system that Oliver designed was a, a small backyard system. And uh, I'm going to let him tell you a little bit more about that. Well, you wanted to know a little bit about us. So before we go any further, Grace, mm-hmm. why don't you tell them a little bit about your background? Okay. Um, my background is uh, quite varied. Um, I was a high school English teacher for a few years. I've uh, worked in... Um, brainwave neurofeedback. I'm presently, you know, still working sometimes as a a brainwave neurofeedback trainer. Uh, I'm a real Renaissance woman, so I do a lot of different things. That's awesome. (laughs) And I was an artist for a long time, uh, running my own company uh, as a jewelry designer, clothing designer, uh, and a photographer. So (laughs) I've done a lot of things. Um, That's how I perfectly uh, fit into being the marketing director for both of our companies. Right. Uh, because of my uh, my photography and writing skills. And then Oliver is our system designer, and together we have created these two companies, and, and we're the perfect complement to one another. Yeah, and my background is um, aerospace engineer you know, for many, many, many years. Uh, and I'm kind of a, right. a, a take the design and build it in the yeah. laboratory and test it and do all that sort of thing for in the aerospace business and uh, 13 years at NASA and jet, jet propulsion lab and such working on robotic stuff. But, um, wow. so anyway, we, um, where were we before I got on? <laughs> well, to, 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 um, I'm really intrigued guys. This is like, so I love all this stuff. So in terms of your system, so have you built a system that, you know, um, someone could buy for their home and be self-sufficient or kind of nearly self-sufficient? So I'm intrigued to hear about your amazing system. Well, the home systems are pretty small because they're home and schools. Schools are uh, become our main customers now, so they fit in the classroom. Yeah. In order to be self-sufficient, you have to have a large amount of grow bed space. You figure about twenty-five foot per person on a on a large scale, larger scale system. Square twenty-five square feet uh, per person um, is what we're looking at here. To, but that's on a larger system. So the smaller right. systems uh, be your harvesting and planting and harvesting and planting. So it's not a steady uh, flow unless you you know square footed or something. Yeah. So the systems we have are probably, you know, to 15 to 20, 20, 40 square feet, something like that, multiple grow beds and, and usually a single fish tank. They're module. They're designed to be module. So, so you can actually yeah. hook up modules and create, you know, like about an 80 square foot system in terms wow. of the smaller backyard systems. Okay. And that would feed around, what, 
three people. Yeah, if you if you if you worked if you did it correctly, it all has to do with where you place it. The, if you're in a greenhouse, it has to do with your climate, to how much sunlight you get throughout the year, and there's a whole lot of variables if you're going outside. If you're going indoors, you have to put in grow lights, and we have both systems here. We have a greenhouse, and we have a, almost exactly the same size of indoor system where we test out grow lights. We do a lot of research here on design of system. So we evolved that system to, to over the last uh, six years to become a, a really nice system. And then we got lots of interest in um, calls and stuff over the years and more and more and more. And now it's almost all the calls or half the calls at least uh, asking us to build large scale farm size systems, either to feed a village or to for commercial purposes, more commercial purposes than to feed the village. And so what's really important to understand is the basic differences between uh, a small backyard system and and a, and a large farm system. Yep. So uh, we're going to have Oliver describe uh, those basic differences. And basically, it's a difference in the style of grow bed where you actually grow the plants. You know, the fish part, it kind of stays, you know, the same. You just have to have more fish tanks for the larger system. Uh, but it's the grow bed that changes. Yeah, the uh, backyard system is a really simple system. It has a grow bed or, or a couple of grow beds and, and a fish tank. We almost always use two grow beds. That way you can uh, off, you know, alternate the planting in them. We take all the fish water and we put it in the grow beds, and they're called deep media grow beds. They're about a foot deep, uh, and they have. Um, uh, we, we prefer to use expanded clay in them, the little clay balls. And um, yeah. which which work really well, and the bacteria live on those balls that break down the um, the fish waste, and so that's how that works and convert it to plants. So it's it's serving dual purpose. It becomes a place to plant the plants, and you can grow almost anything in those. And we flood and drain them. We fill them full of water and let it in, siphon it out every fifteen sec, after fifteen minutes or so, right. and that's all automatic. There's no no me- mechanical stuff involved in that. That's just a bell called the bell siphon. Right. So that's what we bell or loop siphon. That's what we use for the backyard system. Really simple uh not as efficient overall as the farm systems and the farm systems are completely different we take the fish tank water and we run it through filtration systems and we separate the fish solids and send them to their own bio digester and then we bio convert the uh, the ammonia the liquids and, and send them on to the plants and then the bio digester converts the solids into uh, called mineralization where it takes in turns into dissolved solid making it available to the plants and by doing that you can grow about twice as much vegetables per pound of fish as you can in the uh, other type of system so and then we've evolved uh, the, the growing media, the growing system. So we, we do grow vertically. So we get the maximum use of horizontal space per per plant. And in a greenhouse, we can grow two to one, and indoors we can grow almost four to one uh, a ratio of in- improvement because we're growing much more vertical. Because indoors we use lights and we can go very steep. In the greenhouse, we can't go too steep because the bottom plants won't get enough light if we go if we put them too vertically. Okay. So we've evolved that, and we've tested all that out, and we now know pretty much, you know, where that is. We've tested grow lights inside. We've got, we've tested everything from original LEDs to fluorescence to induction lights to halides to back to um, custom-built LEDs is where we're what we're testing now, and they seem to be working real well. And it's important to get. There's two issues when you're coming to a commercial system and grow lights. One is the cost of them. What is it going to cost for the, the initial investment? And two, how much electricity do they use? And right now, the new LEDs seem to be beating everybody else on, on that front. Mm. The, the, the cost is, is probably the lowest of any light available that will do the job, and except for maybe the halides. 
And it's somewhere in that range. And the um, amount of electricity it uses is less than any other light um, by a good margin. Okay. So, cause, sorry, I, sorry, guys. Um, the uh, a couple things I've seen, uh, like uh, running the Eco magazine, is the um, the use of. Have you seen Will Allen's aquaponic system? Yes. Um, Yes, we're we're aware of Will Allen's. Uh, it's it's more than just an aquaponic system. It's sort of a hybrid, uh, yeah. hybrid system. It it's not very, very unfortunately, impressive. it's not economically viable. He 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 runs that on a lot of donations because it's not designed to be economically viable. I thought I thought because he built that system, which um, I, I don't know. I can't remember how, how many say it was fifty thousand gallon system or something. He, I know he's got a lot of fish in there, but he bought he he built it for like. You know, a lower, um, so I think like four thousand or something, or whatever. But the the system, like the way it works, just looked very clever. Uh, I, do you know what I mean in terms of the way it works? And I'm just wondering whether there's any um, great elements there that you can utilise in your bigger farm systems that you know just can make the ultimate aquaponic system. Because in a polytunnel, like you're, you know, you've got that lovely climate. You can create obviously your own climate, and you're getting all the natural sunlight. So you don't need the light from the, um, say, you know, hydroponic kind of lights because you're getting for free, the free light from from the sun. So, but that, that if I if I I'm, I want to design the perfect system for when I build my own eco house, and that's the kind of system I'm thinking about: polytunnel, like hoop house with aquaponic system. Um, yeah. So what, what what do you guys think? Well, certainly that we've designed a number of systems like that. Um, um, it, again, it all depends on when your climate and how much sunlight you get uh, per you know throughout the year. Uh, we have to design the system so that uh, if it's a low level of light, we have to go almost horizontal because if you go vertical, you start losing the light. You, right. you think of it like a, an accordion, the bellows as you squeeze it together, the plants down in the bottom of those grooves get less and less light. So if you have very little light to begin with, you have to go almost horizontal. And then you, you cover it with a diffusing, uh, say, plastic, for example, mm. um, or polycarbonate glass, whatever, uh, you know, just an inexpensive plastic on a hoop, what you call a tunnel. It's like a hoop house. Yeah. <clears throat> we call them hoop houses. And, uh, um, yeah, you, you cover them with this diffusing plastic, and it diffuses what, the light around. Why is that? Sorry, I, I've never, I never knew the reason why it isn't just totally clear. Is it so it doesn't burn the, the plants? Or exactly, it- exactly. And because there are, there are structural elements that create shadows, and uh, some of the ones that, uh, depending on how the, the orientation is of the, of the building, some of those shadows remain all day long and uh, as the sun passes over, depending on how you've set it up. And also the diffusing light um, moves, you know, just throughout the day, all the plants get light from multiple directions. It really helps the growing of that and, and, and such. You lose a little yeah. bit of light by doing that, but overall you get a gain. Okay, so for the listeners out there, um, guys, what, what, what? In, say they've got four people in their family, and they wanted um, to to have an aquaponic system to sustain them. Uh, what do they need to be aware of, and what do they need, and how big? Um, and is it automated? Can you can you automate the kind of the whole process, or do you have to keep a little bit of maintenance? Or well, there, there's a saying. Um, uh, in farming, and the best fertilizer is the farmer's shadow, <laughs> and and that's true regardless of how you're feeding the plants. But 
Uh, maintenance is very low if it's designed properly. Uh, there's not much automation that needs to be done unless you're doing a, um, a advanced filtration system on a farm type, and then we have to automate the uh, that that process somewhat, uh, which adds cost. So right. that's why when you transition from a back simple backyard system to the farm system, there's a minimum size of farm system before it becomes economically viable. In other words, you have to add a lot of components, and a small system that becomes you know the cost becomes. Uh, somewhat prohibitive based upon what you're going to get out of it. But as you get larger and you get economies of scale, that that, that those automation things are still a fixed cost. Yeah. And uh, and so as the system gets larger, then you can uh, you can do other things. Now, uh, uh, to feed a family, you would want to be running it at least some media fill grow beds because in media fill grow beds, you can grow flowering plants like tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers and all those sort of things. And a water-based system, which we use on our commercial quote, commercial meaning for money system, yeah. we basically are growing um, leafy greens like lettuces and, and that Basils. sort of basil and that sort of thing because they're a very fast turnaround. Yeah. Uh, they don't use a lot of nutrients, so you can grow a lot of plants for a few for a few fish. And um, they sell, you know, there's enough margin there that be, just due to the, the sheer numbers of them that you, you can make pretty good money on it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. But for to feed a family, you do need some media grow beds. So a mixture wouldn't uh, would be good. Okay. You don't want to grow your lettuces in the media. You can, of course, and we have done a lot of it. It's just you when you're harvesting lettuce, you're pulling it out by the roots, and and then you have to clean the, all the clay balls off the roots, and that's very time consuming. If that's all you have to do, that's fine. It's not a big deal. But uh, in the water based system, you just pull it out and you're ready to go. Rinse and it off. And there you, you go. So, in terms of the other vegetables and stuff to grow, you, you couldn't use a water-based system just because of the roots or because of the way it grows? Well, um, ideally, you, the, the roots on the larger plants are, are large. Uh, there are other reasons that other people give you, but we found those other reasons aren't, aren't true. The, the main problem is the roots it produces a lot of roots, and a water-based system, unless you have a lot of water underneath there, and using a, like a raft system or something with a lot of room under there to grow the large roots. The other thing is you don't have any way to support the plants unless you support them either through uh, tomatoes, through tomato hangers, or, or, or trellis netting or something like that. You want to be able to support the plants from above. Whereas the media-based system uh, allows a lot of support from the roots. will grab a hold of the media and it's heavy and it will hold the plants up um, like the basil for example will grow pretty tall in a media system we grow basil in a small water-based system but we harvest them when they're very small put them in in in, in tin cans wrap a label around them and sell them nice so what what other things does um should be aware of um you know looking after an aquaponics system because i know um i saw a big one in disney world and I know sometimes the fish die and you have to be careful in terms of um, kind of fish going poorly and stuff um, to kind of, you know, keep a healthy system. What what things are the typical things that you need to be aware of before you kind of, you know, get a, get a system going? Well, um, the process of converting the fish waste into plant nutrients um, is um, produces some... Um, it produces some acid. It produces, uh, it releases the hydrogen from the ammonia, which combines with the carbon dioxide, producing carbonic acid, which the plants uptake. But sometimes things don't always stay in balance. So the pH of the water starts climbing. 
and become a lowering and church becoming acidic, and then that system stops working. So you have to be able to keep that in balance. Constantly making, uh, you know, at least on a weekly basis, chemi- water chemistry measurements, pH measurements, and such, just as a just as a uh, to keep track of where your system is, and with the understanding of what that means and what to do to correct for that is kind of important. Um, uh, and adding some other nutrients like chelated iron, it's really helpful. It makes the lettuce dark green instead of white. It makes the cute. <laughs> well, you know, wow. we we sold some uh, romaine lettuce to a, a a local restaurant, and the guy mm. came by and picked it up. And he says, and he came back and he's picked up some more. And he says, we don't have it very often because we're a research and development here. We're not actually, you know, yeah, you're seeing on a regular basis. But when we have a bunch, we say, hey, you know, he says, the difference between the romaine lettuce we get from you and we get in the box from the distributor is that yours is green and theirs is white. <sighs> he says, yours is dark green and crispy and tasty and theirs is white and floppy and has almost no taste. And I said, well, that's because we put the right nutrients in it called aquaponics. Yeah. Is it? Is it my? Am I right in me understanding it's it's a nitrogen that comes out of a fish um, pea and? Well, poop? basic basically, what you have is to make this real quick. The, mm. the ammonia, the, which is it's secreted from the fish uh, gills and such, is uh, the, their way of eliminating, and that ammonia is, is made up of nitrogen and hydrogen, NH three. Three parts hydrogen, one part nitrogen, right. and that 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 ammonia is toxic to the fish. So you have to get rid of it, and the best way to do it is to convert it into uh, nitrate, which is NO3. And so the bacteria strip off the hydrogen and then add oxygen, and by doing so, they create nitrate. Now nitrate, the nitrogen is now bound up with oxygen, and and it's not toxic to the fish. You can go about a hundred times as much nitrogen when it's tied up with oxygen. But it's really nice for the plants. The plants, that's what basic, that's the basic feed. That's basically what the plant needs, but they need other things. But that's more than anything else. So you have to have a, a certain level of nitrate of nitrates in the water, usually 40 parts per million for leafy greens and 80 to 100 for things like flowering plants like tomatoes, peppers. Okay. It's absorb a lot of nitrates. Plus you need the other trace minerals. And the fish solids, of course, get broken down in a process called mineralization. And... Uh, and, then, and that's another bacteria called heterotrophic that break that down. It produces more ammonia, which is taken care of in the filter, biofilters, and, um, and also takes a dissolved solid again and turns it into a, I mean, the suspended solids and converts them to dissolved solids. And it makes them available for the plant so they can be absorbed through the plant roots uh, membranes. Okay. So, so automatically, nature provides. <laughs> So, so there's so really three it. things happening in an aquaponic system. Three things are growing. Uh, mm. The plants, the fish, and the bacteria. The bacteria is a really po- important part of the system yeah, of this three-way system. That's the probiotic of the system, absolutely. Right. So that's, that's the food for the plants. Well, the, the, no, the bacteria is in service to the plants. Yeah. Just like the fish are, it converts the fish waste into plant nutrients. Okay. Well, I wanted to uh, make sure that uh, anyone who would like to uh, explore more about aquaponics after they uh, hear this or see this interview, um, our website at Aquaponics USA has a ton of information about aquaponics. Um, there's a, a, a page about grow beds, how the grow beds, you know, how the grow beds operate, how they work. There's a page about the fish. There's a page about the water, the chemistry of the water. Um, that's something very important. You have to be measuring your water chemistry yeah. uh, on a pretty regular basis. 
And uh, we'll let Oliver give you some more details about that. But um, So our Aquaponics USA website is a really great resource for information for aquaponics. We also have... We've had people write term papers off our website. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. We also have uh, Aquaponics USA TV site. So if you just Google Aquaponics USA TV, you'll go over to our YouTube uh, video site, and then we've got some really wonderful videos of what we've been doing over these years since we first started this in early 2009. And uh, our greenhouse, our, our original system that we set up in the greenhouse, that, that's our early videos, uh, all the way to our farm system, uh, we call it a micro farm. It's a demonstration small farm with all the bells and whistles of what a, our big farms uh, would have. Mm. And so we've got a couple videos about that. We also have um, we have a trademark, and it's uh, it's a trademark exclusively. Uh, for aquaponics farmers, we're planning to put it out into the marketplace. It's not out there yet. Uh, our own products will probably be the, be the first ones to hold the trademark. The trademark is called Aquaganic. Oh, um, I like it. That's, yeah, that's awesome. That yeah. So, yeah. And it's a certification uh, for any aquaponic farmers who are putting aquaponic products out into the marketplace. And, and that's happening more and more. And it's going to become a big market here in the very near future because aquaponics is growing so quickly. It's quite amazing. Yeah, it's called aquaganics. It's beyond organic. We, the organic certification is basically yeah. for tillage farmers and um, it is getting into the aquaponics. But this covers the kind of fish food you have and what's contained in it. And all that, so it's it's. You know. How 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 are you gonna um, make sure, guys, that the um, you know, that only people that are doing it properly get the certification? Well, we have yet to work that out. Yeah, we're we're working out uh, a process. We're uh, create. We're looking for an advisory board. We're we're pulling people in to be on our advisory board, so it's mm. not just going to be us. And uh, we are requiring that anyone who gets an aquaganic certification follow all of the uh, USDA organic requirements. But then there's one uh, added requirement, and that is that their fish food, the food that they feed their fish, mm. does not contain terrestrial land animals in it. So no de dead pig parts, no dead cow parts. <laughs> Because we don't want that in the fish food. No. Uh, and so that's a really important... I mean, you can get really cheap tilapia fish food from China, mm. but no telling what's in it. <laughs> I, well, okay. Okay, to, to wrap up, guys, um, one last question was, what fish are, are like... Are tilapia the best fish for aquaponics or are there some other good breeds as well? Uh, we, well... I think tilapia are the best, and the reason is that tilapia are the most tolerant uh, for mistakes. And and even even seasoned um, aquaponics farmers uh, occasionally make mistakes. And you know, they, they, like I say, you're not an aquaponics farmer until you've killed a million fish. <laughs> but but we try not to do that unless we want to harvest them. So uh, you know, there's a learning curve, and um, and things happen, and uh, the, you know, maybe the air pump quits overnight, and. Yeah. All the other fish will die, but the tilapia go. Oh yeah, well I'll just go up to the surface and engulf the, uh, the 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 water right up near the surface that's full of oxygen, and uh, yeah. other fish don't seem to know how to do that. We had some catfish in our system at one time and had uh, an an air pump situation go down that we weren't aware of for you know at least 24 hours, mm. and the tilapia survived and the catfish did not. Oh right. Okay. Catfish stay in the bottom of the tank. There's no air down there if you turn the pumps off. Yeah. So on uh, the air pumps. So I mean things 
and you try to build a system and feel larger system with the redundancy in it and different and so we built all this redundancy and then water splashed over and hit us hit hit a, a extension cord and uh, it's very conductive and it tripped a circuit breaker well all this redundancy is great but it was all on the same circuit breaker so oh, no. that was as an aerospace engineer I, I just kicked myself like well that was pretty stupid how come i didn't think of that well, <laughs> yeah. you just don't sometimes you just don't think about things until they happen so do things do happen but the lapia survived fine other yeah. fish didn't well, we well, now we have only tilapia so all right so um well, the other question I was going to ask, I know that I thought that'd be my last question, but there's something like in terms of if you're if you're growing fish to eat and you're growing vegetables to to eat as well, do you need to be aware of anything in terms of different cycles of running them through the system? Because obviously the fish get to a certain size, and then obviously you need to kind of replace them if you're going to take them out of the system and eat them. Um, is there anything? What do you need to be aware of on that? Well, on the larger systems. It's hard to do on the smaller systems, but we always recommend multiple fish tanks, even on the smaller ones. But um, you know, right. the demo the demo systems for home and school and stuff usually only have the one tank, maybe two. But on the larger systems, we have multiple fish tanks. Uh, we try to keep a, eight or more. Sometimes the smaller systems we've designed down to six, but that's getting pretty few. And you stage the grow out of the fish, and then you have breeding tanks where you breed the fish. And tilapia, especially, are prolific breeders. Uh, uh, the first uh, breeding cycle, they have about 100 babies. And then time they get adults, they have about 1,000 babies every several weeks. So wow. you can be overrun by tilapia. And they do this because nature, most of them die. But in, in captivity, most of them live. Almost all of them live. Wow. So uh, you get lots of food, <laughs> potentially. We, uh, first time we moved our, our fish into the larger tank and put the breeding, what we call breeding condos, which are pipes where they can go in and lay their eggs and keep them contained six inch diameter pipes so they're not floating all over the place and they're fish eating them uh, before they can scoop them up their mouth brooders so the female after the eggs are fertilized scoops them up and holds them in her mouth for a few days until they hatch and then continue to have the fish in her, her mouth for a few days after that they grow very quickly um, we had 400 babies within three weeks and we did we were not prepared for that we had a small 20 gallon aquarium we put them in we didn't have a biofilter on it and the half of them died and, and uh, right it was it was sad but um so yeah, so now we've since fixed we've since fixed that problem. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much guys for for coming on the show. And um if anyone wants to uh get an aquaponic system, aquaponicusa.com. And what was your other site, guys, for bigger Aquapon systems? aquaponicsworld.net is our farm system. Great. Great. Um yeah, thank you very much again. And uh we have to have to get you in the, in the magazine. Oh, yeah, great. Well, thank and you, we Alex. look forward to it. We really appreciate this. And, <laughs> yeah, this uh, has been great fun. We love talking about aquaponics. It's our favorite subject. <laughs> Actually, one of our mottos is, um, and I need to warn everyone who's heard this, beware because aquaponics is both uh, contagious and addictive. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you, Alex. Take care. <laughs>